Blend the Picture Games podcast about what's new and awesome in 3D printing for gamers. I'm your host, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. I'm joined by Carson Sowers, who is slightly confused by our episode title. <laughs> huh? Oh, my screen reads that we are a Fire Emblem stream, so that is neat. Uh, but maybe it's just a, a quirk. I am going to try to fix it on my end if it's from me. But if it's not, ignore it's me. Sure, not me. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to tweak it. But anywho, anyway. that's a fun way to start with a glitch, and that's probably a good segue. But I'll let you go first. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> So this is where we ask, what you've been doing in the hobby lately, Kristen? And this is one of the first times in a little while that mine and your answers are both going to be not much because for me, I got hit with the winter snowstorm of 2024. And um, if you didn't know, printers don't like cold weather. They don't. They don't. No, no. So, and not only did I get cold weather, I got completely snowed in. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, like, started losing basic services like running water, yikes, and things in the house, and having to deal with this all of the time in which I have been uh, depended on to animal sit and take care of family members who need care. Mm-hmm. All of us in this one little house now that is not fully operational, not fully <laughs> operational. That is a uh... Mm-hmm. A kind way of saying that, I suppose. It's not fully operational. And then on the first day of this situation, in which mm-hmm. I had accepted responsibility and custody of all of these extra responsibilities, um, one of those tiny extra responsibilities, the tiny fuzzy responsibility, wrapped her leash around my leg, pulled it out from under me, and sent me tumbling down a hill. Oh, no. Spraining my leg. Oh no, I'm feeling uh, slightly more uh, uh, blessed than you are in terms of good fortune, but not much. But it's not like much. the lamest episode of Little House on the Prairie you've ever seen, and it's like brutal. And those are already terrible. Anytime I mean, you watch them, depending depending on who who the cast is that's there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm hobbling around on the sore leg, having to like water and take care of goats and chickens and animals and extra dogs and cats and feed uh, Mm -hmm. people and feed myself. And I'm still working every day because I didn't lose internet or electricity. So I'm still putting in full eight hour OPR days. Just running water. (laughs) Just to be clear. Yeah. I just lost the running water. Yeah. Well, Um, but, but uh, it got to like, zero degrees on a few days and so i'm having to like oh and by the way my house is heated by firewood now because electricity cost around here got stupid and so this was um so i'm having to go haul in firewood and dig it out of uh, like 12 inches of ice to get it out did you prep for it? Do you have piles of wood at least? I do have the piles of wood. Because I too, when I was younger, did did the, we called it ricking. I don't know what you call it. But when you rick up a, a bunch of fire firewood and we would, we'd basically run it between two trees and just make this big row. And then we'd make another big row between others. And that's how we heated. Um, you know, we had a cabin in the mountain. That's, that's how we heated it. 
And then I can't get my little printers to work because it's too cold in the print room and I can't justify heating the space when I'm trying to heat all the other spaces and keep the animals in comfortable mm -hmm. positions. Mm -hmm. I and did hear you had a time. Huh? No, I heard you Go had ahead. an innovative solution to this, but keep going. Uh, the I'm not sure what the innovative solution I'll, here I'll is. ask you about it. Continue. Okay. Continue. Continue. Okay. And, uh, and I'm wanting to do all sorts of hobby stuff because, like, I'm, I have hit, like, one of my little um, inspiration spells, like a manic mm. thing. And I'm like, I need to get all this stuff done for my armies and my games. Mm -hmm. And I've got this burst of energy and no outlet for it. No outlet because their printer is yeah. So I uh, had to focus, and also I can't go get supplies or crafting. So, so like I'm literally having to use only the materials I have on hand. I can't go to game stores to get new things. Mm -hmm, I can't go get mm -hmm. new supplies I don't have. I'm having to use what I've got, and thankfully I'm more blessed than most. I have um, lots and lots and lots of hobby supplies. Yes, yes, um, you're smart. And a backlog of printed miniatures of various variety and quality to paint and keep me busy. Mm -hmm. Painted some little rat boys. Uh, that was fun. Nice. Yep, yep. And, uh, but, uh, but I didn't get to do the printing. I yep. wanted to do yep. printing and I can't do printing. And there's all these lovely files, and Last Sword is teasing me with all these awesome high elves coming out that I'm like, I need you. And then Artisan Guild just last month released all these awesome more high elves that I need, and I can't print none of them. But you'll be able to. Eventually, yeah. Eventually. So, so I'm having to keep busy doing other things, and we're going to talk about that a little bit in this episode. Yeah, yeah. But what, but what, what, what? You had a question first before I. Yes, focus? yes. Before we go to me, uh, I also heard that you were talking about maybe trying to figure out a way to use computers to heat the room to print. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is not. I wasn't going to heat the room to print, but uh, uh, computers do serve. So there's a joke. That gaming computers but, are space heaters, but it could have it could work. It, maybe it, the, no, not only could it, it does. does work. Got it. Um, in fact, um, there's a there's there's several. Um, so here's the fun thing about that topic. Mm -hmm. The joke is that a gaming computer is so efficient at its use of electricity and converting it to heat because that's how you get more and more processing power. Mm -hmm. That they are more efficient than space heaters to heat a room. So that playing Quake or turning on an electric heater, it's better to play Quake. Mm -hmm. um, that is not quite true. It's not quite true. Not okay. quite true. So, so this has been studied. And the mm -hmm. answer is that it is nearly as efficient as the most efficient of space heaters. Mm. Because they really are that efficient at converting electricity to heat energy. Um, as in in through which gaining electronic power to do gaming stuff with, right, um, right. So nearly, but not, but you it's, not, play it's not perfect because you still need to turn some of that energy into ones and zeros. But you, but it get turns to play out that it is more efficient than cheap heaters. <laughs> so, 
So better you, than a crappy heater, and you get yes, to play a game. And you get to play a game. All right. All right. Exactly. I'm sold. And in fact, there are some communities uh, out there um, in Europe and in Georgia that the they have set up thermo thermal heating uh, mm-hmm. and thermal electricity reclamation uh, from server farms that are hosted in the area, where they take the waste heat and then use it to like become actual heat and and repurpose it. Right. And um, YouTuber, if you're familiar with Linus Tech Tips, mm-hmm. uh, Linus has very famously, uh, since he is big computer person, uh, used his server room in his house to heat his swimming pool. Wow. <laughs> Effectively. I mean, the, the true answer is it actually mostly works in the other direction, that the swimming pool cools his computers. I mean, it works as a gigantic water reservoir. Potato, tomato to me, but yes, yes. Uh, But yes, when the servers are going full blast, he manages to raise his pool one degree. One degree. Well, hey, that's (laughs) still technically heating. Yeah. And, you know, prevents it from freezing or something horrible. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Thermo cooling is. is is super cool. Uh, geothermal is 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 a fun uh, mechanic to play with as far as like heating houses or cooling houses and things like that. It is it is a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful product uh, mm-hmm. and and technique. Yep. And uh, you can then also play really awesome video games at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Speaking of which, do you want to ask oh. what I've been doing? <laughs> I think it's the same thing I've been doing to a degree, to a degree, mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. just what you've been doing okay. because we had this beautiful episode a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. where we outlined our lofty dreams for the future of our 3d printing year. Yes, 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 yes. And then, and uh-huh. then ADHD brain go burr. <laughs> um, oh dear. Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. got really into some MMOs again. First time. Uh-huh. And on that that horse yeah you dragged me into it too yeah, we've yeah. both been playing final fantasy 14 like a madman it made me it's revisit true. my final fantasy army yeah uh, yeah and that did have some in- intriguing synergies for me right right mm-hmm. and uh if you don't know this about me uh my first love with final fantasy is summoners oh and i love pet classes in yeah D&D. i love mm-hmm. i love um beast master type classes in, in wargaming mm-hmm. Right. Um, and not probably surprising, have tangentially always uh kept a little uh eye for that that Pokemon game. Oh, and you know recently I've been on the Pokemon binge too, like competitive and I, breeding and all that jazz. Yeah, and I just recently picked up Violet and uh have been kind of playing around with that. And so beginning kind of into that space again, and then came out a different game. Oh, uh, yeah. Power World. I've been keeping an eye on that. And I've been talking about that to my friends about, hey, this game's coming out. It's going to be really awesome. seems like most of the world agrees with me. This game has sold like 5 million copies in three freaking days. But is it? <laughs> huh? Well, see, okay. So you were kind enough to get me into a server. And yeah. uh, I, I then and I got have a game codes for like mm-hmm. most of our guild to come join yep. and play yep. with us. So we had a bunch of our free company people on there. So the mm-hmm. social aspect is very good. But then, but then 
I locked in probably one of the worst episodes of Hyperfixation I have ever locked in. And I don't I remember. I didn't notice y'all was playing that game a lot. I, I don't really remember most of the last three days. Oh <laughs> Anywho, uh, this led to, um, you know, the fact that we, it's an experimental early release game. And that means problems. And one of our first problems was, of course, we had to reset our server and delete everything and start over. Yeah, so there's a problem in the game right now that they warn you about when you launch the game, that the dedicated servers are unstable and you could experience character deletion. Um, and unfortunately, our server, that happened yesterday. It crashed like a whole bunch of times in a row. Um, and then all of our character saves got corrupted, so we had to restart the characters. Yeah, and so we did that. And of course, if you know me, you, you probably don't necessarily know this about me. But when there's a setback, when I don't know, lose 20 levels suddenly without warning in a game, I get big mad. Yeah, and, it's, it's um, disheartening. I could understand not wanting to play the game anymore. Right, right, right. But but our free company rallied. We got together. Everybody was super positive. I'd never seen such a group of resilient, upbeat, mm -hmm. positive folks. Can't tell you. If you're interested in Final Fantasy, you should check them out. Uh, you can either check out my Discord or we can get to the information. Just message one of us. We'll get it to you. Anyway, mm -hmm. great vibe. Super fun. And they like put me back up. I got excited, got excited, excited. But what's the other aspect about this game that I didn't understand fully prepare? Do you remember? Oh, it's a base defense game. It's a base defense game. So when we are building and recreating things, right. everything you build, it has hit points. It's like, you know, a yeah. role playing game. You can destroy it. And if you build something out of wood, it can burn. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I was like, hey, guys, let's all join the same guild and not make this a PvP game because part of the game is me and my buddies and my Pokemons get together with you and your buddies and we go raid the other people's place and ruin their day. Right, right. But it turns out environmental factors can just ruin your day for you. Uh, so after investing a massive amount of time and resources, uh, mm -hmm. our base burned down today. And that kind of oh. brought me to where I'm at because my actual block to printing this week was my brain, right? And that's uh -huh. going to happen. You're going to have those problems where you don't, you can't catalyze. But right. you also might have a real disaster, right? Like our virtual fire, you might have a much more serious, much more real one. And that kind of made me want to think and talk about that with you today, if that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, but I was there in my house watching that. And I just, I, I, I kind of had that moment of like virtual reality where I was like seeing the fire creep from outside, inside, and just kind of imagining what that would be like for my real physical space. Because I have so it's much terrifying. stuff, so much stuff. And, and I can only imagine, you know, especially if you've just got your stuff together or you have some other life circumstance, you have a physical issue, you have to go to college, whatever it is, the disruption is real and the messing up of your life is real. And having a passion for a hobby like ours with 3D printing, you're, you're going you're gonna to have a bad time when that gets disrupted and when you have to suddenly just suffer through a period of inaccessibility for this thing that's bringing you joy. Our magic goo machines make Param and I so happy. Mm -hmm. The ability to just pull an entire beautiful army out of the goo and have something to paint, something to fixate on, something to get distracted by, and something that's relatively affordable after your initial investment, right? Yeah. But um, you can hug the big dragons. You can hug the big dragon and and you know and and pretend he doesn't burn virtual buildings down either. But he does um, though. <laughs> he does. But uh yeah, so I, I think um 
kind of exploring those feelings right now, whether hot and heavy for both of us with natural disasters and weather and virtual disasters and, and dumb brains might be mm -hmm. a good thing to talk about. Oh, okay. This is true. This is true. The, the thing is, is like, these are hobbies and all things come and go and all passions come and go. True. Um, I've experienced this over and over and over again throughout my various hobbies. Um, ADHD brain means I adopt a lot of hobbies in mm. very intensely and then mm -hmm. I immediately abandon them. Uh, <laughs> facts, very big yeah. facts there. Um, yeah. so you learn to onboard and offboard fairly quickly. Um, and, and you think you get better at it, but it's, it's always an emotional roller coaster. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking um, speaking of an emotional roller coaster, we did have one question from Troy about Pathfinder um, goblins, mm -hmm. and I would recommend checking out Bite the Bullet um, if you want some really emotive, yeah. crazy, cool goblins. Especially if you want them to vibe like Pathfinders or goblins. Yeah, I would. Bite the Bullet those great ones, really good ones. Um, there's a couple of others that do want. Also, they don't quite map to Pathfinder's artistic vibe uh, one to one. But uh, Twin Goddess has some amazing yes. goblins, especially if you yes. want some goblin girls that just are really rocking it. And and what I would say PC appropriate there, too, because a lot of times like by the bullets, I mean, there's still going to be some ones you could use for PCs. Don't get me wrong, but there's definitely going to be some you could use uh, for like more baddies that have that more sinister mm -hmm. vibe. And this is a good example of getting distracted by hyperfixation because now we're thinking about goblins. Mm -hmm. I'm going to <laughs> search my, my mini factory for goblins because they actually put searching and filtering in libraries finally what that mm -hmm. shows you how little i printed last week um although i still i just i have to give them props for their overall improvements to the library system in the last little while because early on we uh we we um maybe poked poked a little fun or or, or talked about some features we were still like why isn't this here gift cards anyway uh <laughs> yeah 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 we still um yeah. I will say though their library, their library uh, improvements have been really fantastic. Quality of life upgrades. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad the site's still slow, and uh, I hope that things turn around for it. But uh, it's still like there's a lot more to love about uh, my mini factory than there's to hate about. Scott's it. here. Hi, Comet Lord. What's up? Hello, Comet Lord. Comet Lord, do you make cool goblins? Yeah. What are do you have? Goblins? Troy I'm here is looking for. Cool freaking goblins. And the problem with the 3D printing world is there's a whole lot of really cool goblins, but a lot of them like will lean into a few different aesthetics, mm -hmm. um, which are the uh, obviously the Games Workshop aesthetic of goblins. And there's mm -hmm. some really nice ones out there of that. And then there'll be like the World of Warcraft aesthetic for goblin, which is distinctly different. Mm hmm. Um, but neither of them are the Pathfinder goblins, which are completely different. Uh, and, uh, very few of them are cute goblins. True. Very true. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you like creepy cute, you know, the chaos goblin fan club is growing by enormous numbers. And there are people who do like their goblins a little on the sketchy look side. Mm -hmm. So that's for sure. Comet Lord says he's avoided goblins for years, except for a pinup. And let's be honest, can anything compete with the bathtub lich pinup? No, no, nothing will ever beat Scott's bathtub lich, in my opinion. 
Go look it up if you haven't heard about it. Anywho. And I'm looking yeah. through here. Cast and Play's got some good go- Oh, check out Warp Miniatures Goblins. They do yep. not match the Pathfinder aesthetic at all, but they are they're kind of glorious. Yeah. They're, they're, they they look like Saturday morning cartoon goblins. They look like a freaking gummy bear soundtrack needs to be playing in the background as they come out of the printer. Yikes. I mean, good. Probably more your aesthetic than mine then. Uh, Comet Lord's also reminding us that he has a Cthulhu monster Comet Lord pen up as well. That one squigs me out a little bit, bud. I'm I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Just a little bit. A little squiggy. All right. I guess like the big difference is like how big is the goblin's nose? Because you're going to get huge ears the second you have goblin yeah i mean unless you get the little like yellow like first ed DD goblins you know what i'm talking about i want to say maybe cripple god had some of those if you want them it's kind of like you get your kobolds and your dragon and rat varieties there's like a whole spectrum of dragon to rat kobold right and some some Mm -hmm. weird spots in between but um yeah the the goblins i would say to me bite the bullets prep my first and then i do want to say arson guild had a pretty nice set as well Mm-hmm. that liked but it was a little more reined in from the mm-hmm. uh, they're definitely leaning into the warcraft goblins yeah, yeah yeah but they lean into the warcraft everything mm-hmm. um also uh you can go to uh titan troll miniatures mm. uh they've got some wonderful goblins out there uh with the very david bowie vibe yeah like labyrinth yeah the goblin king dance magic dance exactly uh, people I know it's still traumatized by those pants. I still like the movie though. Um, I would say uh, back to the subject or no, are we goblin out. No, nope. I think we're done with goblins. All right. Um, but we're certainly not done talking about headspace. I think as the first block to printing, and we've talked about in previous episodes uh, the the trial of organizational management of trying to get your your assets under wraps that you don't just are overwhelmed by looking at. We've talked about the refinements there in the libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've also sort of scratched at burnout before. What other mental blocks have you had um, specifically? I mean, a know? lot of it is like ADHD burnout type things. Sure, that aren't, sure. Not even burnout, but like, like when I'm overwhelmed doing other things, it's really easy for me to leave a print on a bed for way too long because mm-hmm. the, the, the mental... Um, the mental inertia it's going to take for me to clean the space, get the print off, and and then like it becomes the longer I wait, the bigger that initial uh, harder hurdle becomes. Yeah, um, I think yeah. that's called persistent demand avoidance, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you have a thing and it's just that one little thing, but you're resisting that thing, and then it mm-hmm. just kind of becomes this increasingly manifested roadblock. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I call it the impossible tasks. Hmm. Um, okay i like that too. possible tasks can't be done no matter how much you want to do them yeah yeah and forcing the impossible tasks to be done is a way to hurt yourself uh Mm -hmm. so that's not a good thing um but uh anyway we're still this is getting into really weird territory for our show um what is it (laughs) (laughs) i think we secretly deal in hyperfixation a lot anyway yeah um so mostly I've just been like the hobby is multifaceted. So when I don't want, when I can't deal with the printing X aspect of the hobby, there are other aspects of the hobby that I happily jump into. Like 
learning getting a getting a new airbrush to replace my poor ruined one that i broke mm-hmm. very badly mm-hmm. by which you did do right yeah, yeah, yeah. have you had a chance to try it out yet uh, yep yeah, it works wonderful it works very wonderful um and it works a lot more wonderful than than this this broken one mm-hmm. so this is supposed to be a dual action airbrush and it only has binary and then crush because I have, I have, I've, I've have done bad things to this airbrush in neglect. Talking um, cleaning neglect? Or are we talking? What are we talking about? It's not so much cleaning neglect, but it is mm-hmm. cleaning neglect. It's it's it was done with the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. Um. So there is a theory in airbrushing. Okay. Hmm that the best way to preserve the quality of your airbrush is to store it wet. I actually have been doing this. That's interesting. And that works great if you use your airbrush regularly Mm -hmm. and you can keep the wet fresh. Mm, But let's say you go to Germany for some reason and and life changes in dramatic ways because things happened in Germany. Like COVID. Well, not just COVID, but like business opportunities and growth and cool things and my life needing to take an entire, like, like what we're talking about, like I can't 3D print. It became, I can't airbrush for a while. Mm -hmm. Like, like me, my active painting hobbying thing had to take a back seat to other aspects of the hobby um, while I dealt with things like that I can't talk about because it's stuff related with OPR, but that right, stuff right. related to things we announced, like partnerships with two thin coats, paints, yeah, and yeah, yeah. cool I mean, things good like stuff, that. Though. Good yeah, stuff, yeah. really good cool stuff. stuff that took right. a lot of time and effort and meetings and, and all right, that sort right, of right, stuff. Right. So my little airbrush just sat and it's wet. Mm-hmm. And? and then the water evaporates. Mm-hmm. And then the water evaporates again and again. And every so often I'll notice and I'll top her back up and then all the crust mm-hmm. in that water over the time uh became a permanent crusty bond on this poor airbrush and this would not have happened if i had never let it dry out but now it's stuck in places i can't get to and i'm sure that there is some amount of cleaning in the future that a much more skilled parent could disassemble this thing into its component parts and get some really good cleaning out there and get some really good brush and save this airbrush. But this current gear param is not of that skill set yet. And taking this thing apart frightens me. Do you know what I use for my wet tank since we're talking about the subject? Uh Uh-huh. I use an ultrasonic glass cleaner. That's exactly what I'm using. And so did you just not agitate it at all? I guess you just left it entirely. Is that what happened? Yeah. Because my ultrasonic glass cleaner keeps that thing pretty clean. It did for months and months and months of storing it wet. And when I used it on the regular, even if I was a month or two between uses on the airbrush, it was Mm -hmm. fine. Six months, though. Six months will do a thing to your airbrush. Oh, that'll do a thing. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize it was quite that long. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so uh, this poor thing, uh, I'll put it aside and hope to resuscitate it one day. Uh, so I, 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 thankfully, right before the the snow hit, before the blizzard, 
Um, <laughs> I need some Rankin Bass like accompany music to come in here. Um, I went and got a replacement airbrush um, and a water. And yeah. so I'm going to hopefully treat this one better. Well, you know, the, the good news is if future Param gets the skills to clean it, you'll have a backup. And the better news is you have something to use right now, yep. which is exactly where I'm at, because I think I did a paint clog bad that oh um, I, caused me, as I was trying to clean it, to bend the rod. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, that is like nearly yeah, you gotta go buy a new rod now. Yeah. So and anyway. honestly, buying a new rod isn't that bad. Even expensive airbrush rods are still only like ten dollars. Sure, sure. Except for it's an off-brand because, of course, I didn't. It's my first one. It was. Oh. Uh, I, I don't. I have no idea if they even sell that part individually because it's so cheap. So it's not for me. It's not anywhere near your Iwata story, <laughs> for sure. Oh. But mm -hmm. well, so that was another impossible task story. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and you've got your weather. Uh, so you have kind of like two things compounding here. How are you dealing with the weather aspect and how it's impacting your stuff? Well, the printer is unusable. Well, right, right. So yeah. you're doing, what are you, are you doing anything else to kind of manage that? I'm curious. Oh yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, I am, um, I am getting the paint brushes out and obviously not the airbrush yet. Uh, and I'm, I'm painting the models, I'm making armies, we're playing games with those armies, we're building lists, we're enjoying all the other aspects of the hobby that take advantage of all the things that the printer has done for me up until it couldn't do them for me anymore. I think that is beautiful. I think it's funny because as makers, you know, mm -hmm. you get into this hobby, you get in and you get obsessed with your capacity to create stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to be like, I need this, I need this, I want this, I need this, I need this, I want this. And you're doing so much work creating, you're not actually enjoying, right? And I think that can, that, that can lead very swiftly to burnout. Mm -hmm. So I think that is amazing that you're actually taking that time to like kind of re-attune uh, yourself to the actual payoff, right? Mm -hmm. It's very easy to get focused on refinement of process and focus mm -hmm. on, um, you know, generative work production work, planning work, et cetera, et cetera, trying to get everything, you know, dialed in a hundred percent, but not actually taking the time to enjoy the thing. Right. Right. And, and that is a swift road in my opinion to madness and uh, a swift road to burning out. Right. Yeah. You want to get like, it's one thing to have a little green lump. It's another thing to have like a really cool painted model and that, you that really, really good. That is really good. Have I have I seen a close up of that before? I feel like it maybe. No, I posted on Facebook when it got done. Like I do all of them. This is yeah. the uh, Titan Forge High Elf Mage from their Heroes line. So like one of their, their D and D NPC line. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I liked it a lot, so I painted it up. If you're mind. listening to this, a very kind of classic high elf vibe. She's got blonde hair, white cloak, uh, ruby tip staff. Very has has like a really good. Um, the aesthetic actually kind of reminds me of Blood Elves in a way. From, yeah, it's definitely from got that Blood Elf look on the like with the shoulder pads and stuff. Yeah, they yeah. even did put like the I, I and the little garnets on the shoulders. I did do in red, so they look like very bloody. Yeah, yeah, but I like I like where it's it's vibe is sitting. It's very very cool. And it's like one of those situations where the High Elves can totally double as vampire minis if you just paint them different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
that that it actually is facts i actually had um because one of my major armies that i've kind of had in the background because obviously i have my chaos and stuff but um i do a lot of skeletons and you remember i've been doing that elemental undead army right mm-hmm so it's like the ice skeletons, the fire skeletons, uh, and they're like kind of like the like, it's just a, a little bit of a different vibe. And I mean, it's, it's allowed me to pull in stuff from different minis and kind of fuse them into one thing. You have a question. I'm curious how you did the different ones. So ice, did you do like the clear blue resins and like the? Um, I stuff? did use I did do some translucent. I actually mm-hmm. tended to have better luck with um, uh, multicolored zenithal, um, mm-hmm. where I did deep blue base. Uh, sky blue mid-tone and then some white dusting on them mm-hmm. and i used a lot of um i want to say is um mini monster mayhem did an ice undead set where they have mm. they were actually um supposed to be servitors to one of the ice dragons i think okay. but they are just amazing looking and, and they also had a second set of them that were crystal um Ooh. so you could paint them either way and mm-hmm. so it actually gave you a really broad range and because of the similarities you could also pull the ice zombie uh, the ice skeletons back towards the crystal look as well um just because they have the projections of ice similar to the crystal ones the crystal ones have more of a, like a like a geometric um they're they're like flat tipped vibes so like they they kind of look like uh like um there's a word geodes. for it uh, very geode vibe but also it's like helia something uh heliodor maybe uh it, it has like a little like hexagonal or septagonal um mm-hmm. crystal formation it looks really really neat but still still if you paint them up white and blue shaded and stuff they look like ice crystals very well sure. as well and i actually swapped the dragons the same way Mm-hmm. Cool, but how did you paint the heart elementals? The sorry, the heart elementals. Yeah. Oh, for Captain Planet joke. Got it. Got it. Um, I actually do have heart elementals. <laughs> uh, but my heart elementals are elementals of passion, who are warbringers, is what I called them. Oh. And so I actually used some um, poison monsters and some uh, like because there was like a toxin monster. I think it was called. And then um, they had some ectoplasmic spirit like things that I think were kind of intended to be like a proxy for maybe a night haunt army. Mm-hmm. But I do actually have um, because I had a campaign where there were uh, seven spirits of rage that were like imprisoned mm-hmm. and they were unleashed on the world and became mm-hmm. the source of like all this conflict. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's actually really, really cool monster from creature catalog from uh, sword and sorcery games, which was a suburban right. part of white wolf. But um painted all those up with translucence and red to make them look like kind of these clouds of anger and passion and rage. So they were hard elementals. They were I have a question mean. for you. I have a yes. question for you, Kristen. Yes. How in the heck before you got the magic box, were you able to make these creative encounters in your games? Lots and lots of pre-paint minis. Uh Lots and lots of model kits. I don't have us pre-paint models, and I have most of the line that's ever been made. Uh, not well would be the quickest answer to that question. But right. I also backed a ton of Kickstarters, and I will tell you, nobody can shop um, a miniature market uh, clearance sale like I can. <laughs> I have a, a pile of gray shame in that closet like you would not believe that probably needs to go away. But... Um, because of that, I got to cherry pick a whole bunch of Kickstarter box sets for exactly the right minis. And some of those Kickstarter box, box sets were uh, bought maybe like, you know, that's, I'll say dollar on the 10, you know, dime on the dollar sort of situation at most. Sometimes a much better deal than that. 
But yeah, you know what I like? Having all that time back and having all the the extraneous extra minis that Mm -hmm. I still really don't know what I'm going to do with half of them. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've just started giving some of them away when I, cause I'll do um, teach kids how to play D and D games sometimes. Right. And just let them take the monsters home. Mm-hmm. I've done that 3d printed too. Uh, with, with the blessing of the creator, very right. clearly, I'm going to make that very clear. Never have I charged and or sold those things. It was totally like, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, twin goddess actually let me, um, give away some of, of those minis that were painted up by the kids. So Aww. that was neat. Very cool. Uh, thank you, Mr. Canish, uh, for the compliment about my clearance game. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. It's true though. Um, but that, that is a, a valid solution, by the way, if you are in a situation, I'm going to go with, um, challenge living space as, mm-hmm. as another change that might be happening to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a buddy who had a house fire, um, oh, fortunately no. was a- able to save his printers and he was uh-huh. actually in the process of setting up a print farm. Uh-huh. And had to move him with his mom back in with his mom uh-huh. and um you know uh, had had no place to set up the print shop and had no adequate vent- ventilation but still wanted to be involved in the hobby and you know so very creative and this person actually went through and did a whole bunch of different things any everything from using library printers to go and do the print work so still did the file management and the purchasing built the collection still did those things still got to be engaged in that active part of the hobby but then could take the actual production to like, you know, a maker space or a library. Um, and I think that's a very valid way to do it. Even if you normally have your own printer, right? Like with that way, um, you're going net to network with your local 3D printing community. You're also going to learn new techniques by talking to those other people. You're going to see what they're making. And it can be a really good way to engage during a time of crisis. Mm-hmm. But there's also nothing wrong with taking a step back, going and buying some Nolzers, going and buying some clearance yeah. minis. You know, this hobby yes, we've been liberated from the chains of, of those things, right? Like mm-hmm. I get to print my weird stuff and I get to kit bash it and I get to tweak it out and do all this fun things, but I don't, I, I didn't have to burn my old stuff, right? It's still there. Right. And by the same token, you could still get more if that was the solve while you are denied your gray goo of wonder. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's nothing wrong with getting the old metal out and painting it. Yeah. Yeah. Gold Sandra Gary, they sculpted Reaper mini. That's a Reaper? Yeah. Old school, all metal, putty-based Reaper mini. From uh, 1995. I believe, I believe maybe... We'll talk about, we'll talk about some, doing some promo stuff, because I might have another painting class coming up. We'll see. See if that happens. So. The one thing I don't miss about metal is uh, is chipping? how easy it chips. Yeah, the chipping was rough, rough, rough. In fact, that's one of the things I actually don't mind so much about mm-hmm. the the older gen printers because sometimes your um, if you have a teeny tiny tiny uh, texture line situation and you smooth it out with primer, mm-hmm. you're actually going to get some really good adhesion. But. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think what other disruptions could there be? Uh, well, obviously we've experienced supply chain disruptions. Oh yeah. That's yeah, a yeah. thing. Or, you know, you break your printer and you got to wait for the, either to get the new one to ship to you or to be able to afford to replace or it. Six months for replacement parts show up. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think, I think focusing on what causes the outage 
might be a a, 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 a a dangerous rabbit hole to jump down. Um, because there are lots love of rabbit that, holes. Because there's lots of reasons, both like mental, physical, and circumstantial, uh, that can that can like 3D printing requires space and money and supplies and like and like I knew I had to take a break for a little bit. Uh, during COVID, which because getting alcohol and gloves was a problem, mm-hmm. and uh, oddly so enough, I, so I had to very much ration my supply and choose my prints very carefully, right at the height of my mania. Um, yeah. And then uh, I same for both of us, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And then overcompensated as soon as I had access. Uh, I ended up getting like a. Um, a shipping crate worth of gloves uh, that it took me three years to completely chew through. Shipping crate. Like when we say shipping crate, how big are we talking here? I'm talking 4,000 gloves. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice chunk of change. I think the boxes are usually about 500. I think I've gone through close to 4,000 in the last few years. I can see that. I can see that. Because it was the only way to get them at the time at a, a cost per glove that was not stupid. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, okay, well, I'll just commit to, okay, these are not medical grade. These are not, so I'm not going to be taking these out of the supply chain of people who need them. Right, uh, right. And then uh, I think it was like Mar- like the, the versions for like people who work on cars was the grade I was getting. Mm-hmm. Because they all had like people like holding ranches and and, and and axles and stuff on the front of it. It's like ah, oh, very manly things that have nothing to do with me. Um, it made you feel really good though when you were getting ready to print a cute little dinosaur with a love story. Yes, I guess he was more of a lizard guy. I don't know, but I, I did love that. Anyway, mm-hmm. your recent creature, if you oh yeah. Taki, everybody yes. loves Taki. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you can put on your big mechanics grade gloves to print your cute romantic lizard. I like little lizard. He cute. Very, very cute. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so if we're not going to focus on specifics of complication, specifics of solution, we've talked about a lot of re remapping, re uh, allocating your resources. Do you have anything else that jumps out at you as maybe something someone could do while they were doing that? I do. I mean, there's always like just focus on different aspects of your hobby, which we talked about. It's like, you know, if you if you don't want to deal with the printing, you can deal with the painting. And then honestly, like if you just completely burned out on everything related to it, which is very much pop- like one of the you could just be burned out on like miniature gaming or mm-hmm. there's a circumstance that you are not able to miniature game. So the motivation to get the printer going uh, slows down, too. Yes, you, very you just, much. Like, so. Pick up a different hobby and or a different. Fo- it's it's time like all it's like we go back to basic burnout advice. It's like breaks are healthy. Mm-hmm. Go do something completely different. Go play Final Fantasy fourteen. Go burn your house down in Power World. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go yeah. do something else. Like get really into anime. Like, and then when you come back, uh, I would recommend like. Go do something that and get really into something else because you'll be surprised when you come back to your hobby what knowledge you've gained that True. will apply to your new hobby. Like when like I'm really into anime. So I the the concept of now there are 
really cool figures for anime characters that I like that I can 3D print myself and not have to pay $500 for, which mm-hmm. is going great for some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I get my airbrush out, I will be very happy to be very skilled at airbrushing because that's the best way to paint these things. And or, say some change, took ch- ch- a change doing it. Or when um, me and uh, and Crystal uh, went down the gunpla rabbit hole together and building you know, cool robot model kits and then like learning about all this really cool stuff in that hobby that is not analogous to, like is applicable to our hobby, but they they have completely different culture so like the tools they use are specialized for their needs and there's techniques they use that i didn't know about till i got into them that are very applicable to to miniature painting and stuff so that by jumping down a gundam rabbit hole i was able to come back to the hobby with all sorts of new skills and knowledge that were mm-hmm. not commonly taught uh, outside of that circle right Right. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a couple things in comment, uh, comments down in there. Troy says, uh, during burnout switched to Pathfinder instead of tabletop minis. I think that's a really great way to switch it up, sure. switch from, from an, uh, war game to an RPG is a good one, but then lava being, yeah, sure. Uh, you got a lot of, uh, shield frequencies we could rotate here, right? You could go from, um, a character based thing to a vehicle based thing. You could go, you, you, there's so many ways you could take it. Start um, even token cheese tokens for your board game with rats. cheese cheese tokens for sure. Uh, accessories for your other games like magic, but we've done that before, mm-hmm. but lava beings question, I think is a really cool one. Um, mm-hmm. any resources for taking your STLs and painting them digitally when you can't do so physically. I know people I... that do this to plan their whole paint job out. I know there are resources out there. I do not know what they are. <laughs> um, I do not know what they are. Uh, I can do it inside Blender, but that is that's that might be a bit extreme. Sure, sure. I, I wonder if Scott's still here. If Scott, if you're still in chat and want to talk about any resources you would recommend, uh, if not, um, I, I have definitely heard that. I've seen people use Photoshop and just take like a like a angle on screenshots from profiles mm-hmm. and silhouettes and do that and just do like a color map. I've seen uh-huh. people do that for their printing. But oh, um, I thought he meant like actually embedding color codes into the f- digital files. So well, I mean, like that, you could do color. that. You could do that, right? And then you could also mm-hmm. take advantage of some of the coding for the textures. That would be really cool to see. Do you know but, something that's really cool that you can do that if you like tabletop simulator? What's that? You can actually like do the printing and painting the mini. And then digitally scan it using the mini iPhone apps or phone apps that will scan a mini. Yeah. Now, this is not good for reproducing anything that's going to be print worthy. Right. It is really cool for making like I could scan this paint job and then Mm -hmm. pull plug it in the tabletop simulator and play with my hand painted mini in a digital game of D&D. Right. I think that's cool. You know, I, I know people that do um, use HeroForge actually to to color up um, that that mock-up and then actually will screenshot their mini from HeroForge and use it as a token in d and I see that all the time. Yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Canish says there is no Scott here, only Zool. But then Scott speaks up and says no, painting over renders in Photoshop is exactly what they do uh, for, yeah. for their paint job plans. So I'm afraid um, I don't have many options for you myself love of being uh, other than the thing uh, oh poly paint in zbrush from comet lord 
Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Uh, I do I do texture work in 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 Blender, uh, which is like how they do the painted textures for three D models in video games. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that's an option. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, back to the more general view. One of the things I would also recommend, and something I'm in the process of doing, is re-examine if you if you're losing your physical space, or you're changing your physical space for your your whatever your obstacle is to actually look at the organizational situation in your physical space and maybe work on improving process and efficiency, um, you know, in that space, improving safety, improving ventilation, improving, you know, kind of rethinking what you're doing in the first place. Because I think sometimes when you've, you've hit that wall, it's a good time to go back even further and go, okay, you know, is there a root cause here? Like, you know, one of the things that I constantly do is, is my, um, my wash and cure situation is just such a debacle. Like, mm-hmm. and so, and since it's a messy, gross part, we're talking about that demand avoidance situation. And, um, you know, when you get to that point where you really want to clean up your paint, print job and get it cured and get it done, every little bit of objection you have to properly and safely handling it and or cleaning it up can create inefficiencies in your process. Right. And, um, you know, like, one of the things, a piece, uh, piece of advice in general that I was given recently is just have more garbage cans, which is ridiculous. But at the same time, is it like having a garbage can in a place to actually take care of waste appropriately and quickly is so helpful. And it, it, it's weird because our society kind of encourages very specific places for garbages or whatever. But like if you're in a makerspace, having waste bins and, and, and hazardous material bins, maybe depending on what you're working with, depending on the filament or resin you're using. Uh, isn't a bad idea, right? Like having mm-hmm. it just good to go and having it ready to go and re- really thinking through your space. Um, you know, maybe it's a good time to ground zero if you're in that if you're in that kind of holding pattern anyway, for whatever the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's time to go back and dig even deeper and look at it entirely. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, one of my one of my favorite methods that I've found really cathartic is uh, from Evan and Caitlin, the the YouTube channel, mm-hmm. uh, they have a method for when they do this. They call it the pood method. The what? Pood. P o o d. You purge, organize, optimize, and dispose. Huh. Poo. So you the the basic method is when you're ready. So instead of like working in your space and cleaning the corner and then shifting the stuff out of the way to clean the next corner, which is you know mm-hmm. normal cleaning method. Sure. Um, you purge the environment. You remove everything from that space. And while it's outside of that space, you organize it um, into mm. so that you've like, you know, what you've took out of that space now is now cataloged and organized. You optimize what you need for the new space and dispose of the things you no longer need in that space. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I had not heard that. I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's like it's all the benefit. Like, have you ever noticed like you're 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 never more organized than like slightly after a move? Yes. Oh god. Mm-hmm. That is that is a satisfying moment when you completely start over and like you have that moment like I'm gonna keep it up this time, and then life happens. <laughs> and you have to go back and zero it out. I think maybe a little more planning for me at least would be a really good idea during that initial period. Because it is it is pleasant to have that kind of mm-hmm. The clean lines, clean lines and clean surfaces, which is what a lot of people really benefit from. And and the pood method is a way of doing that without actually moving. But all you mm-hmm. have to do is empty the room you are reorganizing. 
So this works better not in the middle of snowstorms because one of the best ways to do it is a nice sunny weekend and spread some tarps out outside. And just take everything outside. And like set up a bunch of boxes to organize in and then Hmm. take everything outside of outside, organize it outside, bring the stuff back inside. Hmm. Also, it puts you on a a very input like it it, it will it will um, prevent ADHD brain from ruining this process because um, there is very real time limit and very real consequences of leaving your things outside overnight in next to the sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having had the experience of having my entire, you know, multi-thousand dollar print run of my, my campaign setting book show up and being dropped in the middle of the street during a rainstorm, uh-huh. I understand this sense of urgency, but it isn't always fun when you get those time crunches. So I would still I say said hey. fun. <laughs> well, yes, I would still say pay close attention when you're in your planning phase. Uh, make sure that your weather's probably okay, but you know, you're not going to want to even leave stuff out in the sun for more than a day or two if you had to. So, yeah, and I'll also say, you know, lean into the dispose aspect. We're 3D printing here, none of this stuff is actually of value unless it has paint on it. That's true. That's true. This is this is a lesson I am struggling to learn, but it's starting to sink in. It's only taken what two and a half years of, mm-hmm. of, of being excited about the hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh oh, Kristen. Oh, oh, oh yeah. D- don't throw something on the floor. Don't do it. Don't. <laughs> listening. He literally a- just dropped a mini and crushed it on the floor in front of me. I think this is like some sort of shock aversion therapy or shock <laughs> therapy that he's conducting. Look, look, this is an elf. I don't have to paint now. That's the that's the solve. Huh? Just destroy the work. I mean, <laughs> it's an option, I guess, if you want to go uh, scorched earth on. And things. If I decide I want it, it can be on the next build plate tomorrow. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> I just we need more battle casually mini. I mean, okay, so one of <laughs> one of the games. One of the games uh, at Gen Con that was very appealing to me was it Monster? Was it Monster Apocalypse? Monster mm-hmm. with the du- Play Doh? Do I'm talking about? Yes, Monster. yes. Oh my gosh, I love that game. Um, so this game, you make your your minis are molds. You slap it Play Doh into, and you just make these uh, Play Doh monsters, and then you stab their weapons. Necro in- molds. Necro molds. That's what it was. Yeah. And there's like a, some some anyway. Your monsters then fight, and when you defeat them when you defeat them you actually get to smash their little putty guy into oblivion and man watching those games i have rarely seen people with smiles that big on their face when they're just (laughs) grinding these little squishy guys but be careful because the swords and the shields that you stick into the putty are still plastic and you could hurt your hand but yes remove very very satisfying first they kind of that's one of the reasons they give you a little ring to do the crushing with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah necromolds was really cool um and maybe something that might be a good catharsis if you need this construction kind of or you can be like param and just take your old less high grade minis i actually think of a box i could probably do this to maybe it would be cathartic to just <sighs> take a hammer to them and and you know and crush them all up resin shatters mm-hmm and shards are bad for eyeballs. 
So sure. if you do decide you want to hammer crush your miniatures in a in a fit of catharsis of turning your pile of shame into your powder of shame, <laughs> wear safety glasses. Wear safety glasses for sure, for sure, and then go nuts. Just just smash them. I would also recommend taking a large surface and either rolling out like some some painters uh, plastic or or maybe some cardboard so you can just fold it all up. Uh, are there any types of printed minis safer when smashing? Um, I'm not going to offer safety advice in any official capacity on this one. Yeah, maybe the chocolate <laughs> ones. The chocolate ones. Oh, yes. <laughs> we we're just talking about chocolate printers today. I think or yesterday, yesterday, today. Some, I was talking to somebody just just recently about chocolate. Yeah, printers. I think Kane messaged me about it. Like he was like, "Oh, is this a chocolate printer? I need it." And I'm like, "I want it too." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Anyway, we're coming up on time, but we've got a little bit of news. News. A little bit of news. So, finally, Christmas holiday's over, and they're not just putting printers on sale. They're making printers for sale. Mm, new stuff. New printers. The Any Anycubic has announced the Photon Mono M5S Pro, their 14K printer. Mm. Which again, you know, 10.1 inch screen, 14K HD, it's 25.8 microns on the X axis and 14 microns on the Y axis. Mm -hmm. So like it's got those weird rectangular pixels. I hate it. Okay, go on. But both of them <laughs> are still under 35 microns. So, but you like, know, you know, those yeah. are little, hey, that's, <laughs> Ace says, hey, that's my printer. And uh, they've got it on pre-order right now. Like, this is an upgrade to the M5S. One of the new features of it is that it, they have a heating slash purification module. That's what kind of brought this to my attention. Um, so if I had this, I could print right now. And I wouldn't be talking about I can't print right now because weather got cold. Usually cold weather doesn't shut me down, but it does mm -hmm. shut me down when it reaches zero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't even have problems. I think I was printing my first year in my garage until I want to say about like low, it was low um, 20s outside because it made my garage dip below 50. Right. And so you, it started getting a little bit of fail. You kind of want to print at 70 Fahrenheit, and right, I don't right. know what this is in proper uh, temperature. Right, right. But I but I did I did run the risk and, and have a, a good run of, I'd still say maybe at 10 degrees lower than that, um, that it was still pretty comfortable feeling. But once I started getting close to 50, I started getting some really weird layer fails and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's got some some cool things. Is it's got the layer, it's got the auto leveling bed. Though yeah, this yeah. version of it does ship with an adjustable layering bed. Um, it has that sensor that determines like when it knows when the the thing has released from the the bottom, so it will detect print failures. Um, it'll even tell you if you have enough resin in the vat to complete the print job that you told it to print because it weighs. It, it has like a weight sensor. Mm -hmm. And it knows how much res resin weighs. Neat. I like that. We were just talking about this last time we, we ran that. Yeah. So it's basically, it's just a giant quality of life upgrade to your standard high-end, high-res, high 10-inch printer. 
Ace Kipton does confirm the auto leveling is amazing and awesome. Yep. Uh, and uh, it's all this at an early bird price of four hundred and sixty dollars USD, which Suspiciously... is only ten dollars more than the Saturn Three Ultra. Suspiciously, the same price point I think that I bought my first one from them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um. It looks like a cool printer with cool th- with cool stats and cool quality. Uh, the initial reviews of people who have gotten early access to this printer, it's coming up good. Um, and with all these cool extra quality of life features, I hope those quality of life features make their way into other printers. Um, and this is not a bad printer if you wanted to start um, and you wanted to get an cubic printer. It's not like a G-formation uh, printer with like, or an Ultimaker printer or, or some of those like really high end printers where like, you know, they feed the resin in through a cartridge system and all that jazz. Right. Right. Um, but like for a standard, you know, entry level mid range printer, really nice stats on this one. So nice. And also I really want that in, I, I really want a heater now, especially since I finally got shut down because of heating. Hmm. I mean, that's that's a good motive, right? If it's not going to work, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of uh, news that's a little bit more on the controversial side of things mm-hmm. is uh, we've talked about MNG on the show before uh, as a miniature creator that makes free models out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a Patreon, but like their models were, are free. Mm-hmm. And they um, are suspiciously alike other miniatures to an uncanny degree. Mm, other uh, hammers of war, you might say. With with very fun names that I was very I was always gonna chuckle about. Yes. I, I, I brought up the um, the uh, the disorganized Snuffleupagus before as one of my favorite alternative names for a model that doesn't uh, tread on trademarks. Uh, right, right. I do believe the the um the hive aliens had some like scary chitin monster sort of names that that were pretty generic but somewhat entertaining as well. Well, uh, he has announced that due to litigation from somebody, um, uh, do they actually say? Yeah, no. Due to litigation with Games Workshop filed in September, uh, they are going to be shutting their entire operation down. And likely declaring bankruptcy. Um, hmm. I am not. I am not surprised that they got shut down because mm-hmm. reasons. And I'm not a lawyer or an IP specialist. More importantly, I'm not your lawyer or IP specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, All that. Though it this does seem to be a, a uh, an order of magnitude greater in that it involves like actual damages instead of just cease and desists. Right. Right. Um, which is a escalation in that we have not seen yet in the 3D printing space. Uh, usually, what usually when GW comes in knocking for a creator, uh, it's with a cease and desist letter, and then they disappear because he wants to go to war with GW. Right, we right. do not know the details of this uh, case. We do not know what happened or what decisions they may or may not have made. Um, we do know that uh, yeah, there's a history of. If somebody's, I don't know. I don't want to know what to say here, but um, lawyers were involved this time. 
The lawyers were involved. Choices were made. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and damages uh, were taken into account. So it's definitely an escalation that we haven't seen yet in the 3D printing space. Mm -hmm. I do not know if this means more to come. We've definitely seen an escalation of uh, takedowns lately um, from GW, from Disney, from other people in the space. This has been a bit of a wild west. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of hard to know where the lines are. We do have some case law that defines what some of those lines are, like the chapter house decision. Mm -hmm. uh, so some of those lines are pretty clearly drawn, mm -hmm. but this is still an emerging market with a lot of very enthusiastic creators who may or may not have uh, intellectual property expertise backgrounds. Right, right. Mm -hmm. That tracks. Yeah. So um, I know that EMNG was well-loved in the community. Their models were uh, commonly recommended to just about anybody. Uh, and it's easy to see why, because the models were very high quality uh, mm -hmm. compared to what was available, uh, especially when the, we were first getting started in the hobby. Right, right. I am glad that I downloaded several of them, honestly, because I will I will miss that creator in space. But I also understand um, why all this is happening. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I am uh, definitely. I think that as the space evolves, we're going to get more and more clear on what is permissive in this space mm -hmm. and what is profitable in this space. We've already seen kind of like the gold rush has, has started to fade. Mm -hmm. We're seeing consolidation into more and more artists working for uh, groups uh, and companies as opposed mm -hmm. to in less and less uh, lone wolf artists out there. We're seeing beloved artists that have done a, a solid effort at it, mm -hmm. um, retiring from the space for various reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope that like any, any market, once it reaches maturity, I hope that it's still a vibrant place filled with lots of options. But uh, I think that the, the initial crazy time is over. I think the initial crazy burst and, 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 land rush is done and now we are going to see the market do like the web did like all digital spaces like the streaming and youtube and every other platform we are going to see this space normalize mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that's fair that's fair i think it'll be an interesting couple of years i hope uh i hope a lot of our favorites make it through mm -hmm. yeah me too i think if you're i think the the big companies are probably going to stay because sure. the, the biggest of the bigs, uh, they're, they're, they have first mover advantage. Mm -hmm. um, I some think of them have harder some, to break in. Some of them have some pretty savvy operational folks, too, is what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, and I imagine that it's going to be harder and harder for new creators. I think it's going to be harder and harder for new creators to break into the space. Sure. Um, That's probably unfortunately true. Yeah. So possible. Especially if possible. Um, I think it's going to be more important than ever to have something that distinguishes you and your art from everybody else's art. Mm -hmm. Things that um, things like Twin Goddess uh, does. Things mm -hmm. like Comet Lord's art. Comet Lord does. Very, yeah. Very different. Distinctive. Uh, you know, yeah. 
yeah tyrant troll has a very distinctive look um like lots and lots of cobra mode cobra mode good lord mm. their art is so much unlike anybody yeah, else's yeah um which reminds me i still need to get a hold of andrea Remind me about that. A niche, a niche, like finding your niche is important in a contracting market. Yeah, very, very true. Well, that was a lot. Yeah. If you want to find any of the awesome creators that we've interviewed, you can do so over at printyourgames.com. You'll find all the episodes of the show and links to the socials and all the things and if you want to help the show, the best thing you can do is give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. Until next time, I'm Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. I'm Chris and Sowers, also known as Seventh Mastery. And don't forget your screen protector. <laughs>